In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey, everybody. This is another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is Monday, May 13th. Yesterday, Atlanta United defeated Orlando City 1-0 at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It was Mother's Day, which is why this podcast, normally done immediately after the end of an Atlanta United game, is one day later. I wanted to get home to be with my wife and mother of six kids, and Jason needed to go because he had some other work things uh, that he needed to do. Uh, I hope you'll follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Atlanta United defeated Orlando uh, to improve its record of 5-0-2 against the Lions. Uh, Gonzalo Martinez, pity to his friends, opened his MLS account with a, a left-footed rocket in the 14th minute for the game's only goal. Atlanta United has now won four consecutive games, all by shutout, and five of six, each of those wins also by a shutout. The defense in this game wasn't... It didn't feel like it was in control as much as in the previous games. Orlando City had a couple of good chances, particularly two in the first half. Brad Guzan made uh, one amazing save of a Dom Dwyer shot uh, in the first half, then another good save just a few minutes later. A third good save uh, in the second half. And Orlando City failed to take advantage of uh, a mistake by Eric Rometty he was kind of casually dribbling the ball up around the probably the 25-yard line. Didn't realize there was an Orlando City player behind him who stole the ball, took it, uh, put in Dwyer on goal. And Dwyer, as he has done the past five or six games, uh, hit the shot up into like the upper deck. Uh, so anyway, uh, with the win, Atlanta United moved from 8th in the East to 5th with a huge... A set of road games upcoming. They'll play at Vancouver on Wednesday. I will be there. They will play at Red Bulls on Sunday. I will be there. And then they will play at Real Salt Lake the following Friday. And I will be there as I rack up my Delta Miles and Marriott Bonvoy points. Uh, The other piece of valuable information from Sunday's 1-0 win over Orlando was that Jeff Lernowitz came on in the second half to make his 400th appearance during the regular season in Major League Soccer. Only two other field players, that is non-goalkeepers, have achieved that feat. Uh, The first is Kyle Beckerman of Real Salt Lake. The second is Chad Marshall, uh, most recently uh, with Seattle. It's an amazing feat by the 35-year-old. He was... I think he kind of played it down in the locker room after the game. But I think 
that a guy who consistently discusses focus and effort and dedication, that this was a very impactful record for him. Um, we asked him what his next goal was because he was telling us an anecdote about when he reached 300. He was asked what's next, and he said 400. When I asked him what's next now to 400, he just said to keep helping this team win. So I don't want to say that he was implying that the finish line for his career is near, but I think that he probably sees that. He he hasn't started the past couple of games. I do think he'll start against Vancouver uh, in place of, of Remedi, who I think probably needs a break. Um, but I don't think he's going to be a consistent starter, and that is a tough thing for him. He is a very competitive guy. I think he's still got plenty left in the tank. It's just a matter of this happens with players and, and sports careers. Um, but anyway, let's talk about Pitti Martinez for a second. This goal came in the 14th minute with another assist from Hector Viaba. Has been coming for the past few games. I thought he looked fantastic against Sporting Kansas City. I thought he again looked good against Toronto as he got closer and closer to scoring. And then the goal came. It was it was helped by Viaba, who had a dribble down the left channel. He had a defender chasing him, and another defender kind of slid over. That opened up the space. Viaba did the smart layoff to Viaba, and he hit the one-time shot from about 17 yards uh, with the left foot into the opposite upper right corner. Brian Rowe uh, did not have a chance to stop it. Uh, Pitti Martinez had a couple of other uh, nice passes and moments in the game. Uh, Joseph Martinez had a very solid game for Atlanta United. He dropped back again in that playmaking role that he's, he's kind of coming. He had a couple of shots. Uh, couldn't score, but did have a couple of shots. Miles Robinson, I thought, was just a beast in the game. Uh, a couple of the mistakes made by the defense. Robinson was there, to, or, or other players. Robinson was there to bail it out. I think a lot of the mistakes made by the defense uh, and the midfielders is simply because of fatigue. It is their third game in eight days. It's mostly the same group that has been starting. The only change in the starting lineup uh, for Orlando City from the Toronto game on Wednesday was Michael Parker coming in at left back in place of Breck Shea. So the guys are logging a, a lot of minutes uh, and having to do, in this game particularly, a good bit of running. The previous two games, they didn't really have to run that much because uh, the teams were bunkering a little bit. Um, so we'll see what Frank DeBoer wants to do with the lineup on Wednesday. I'll, of course, post my predicted lineup uh, probably Wednesday morning. Uh, the other piece of information from this game is Justin Miram. Uh, who was acquired by Atlanta United in a trade with Columbus on Tuesday, uh, came on in the final, I don't know, three or four minutes for his debut uh, with Atlanta United. I think you might see him start on Wednesday. Maybe, I don't know if he'll start in place of Nagby, but I think he may start maybe for Gressel or Viaba. Both those guys have also put in a lot of, of minutes this season um, just to give them a break. Uh, but we will see. The team originally was going to go from Vancouver to New York, so now it's but now it's going to come from Vancouver back to Atlanta. So I think that after the Vancouver game, we may see a few more changes back to regular guys 
uh, or the starters that we're used to seeing for the Red Bulls game. So I think you could see a, quite a few changes for this Vancouver game. Frankly, I think Atlanta United could still win the Vancouver game with its B team, uh, so to speak. I hate using that phrase, but you know what I mean. Uh, in that game on Wednesday at BC Place. So Atlanta United can, uh, continues to trail Philadelphia by six points, but has two games at hand. Philadelphia is, of course, in first place in the East. Uh, it's keeping pace with LAFC in the race for the Supporter Shield. It's still very, very early to talk about Supporter Shield, but I figured I'll bring it up because it's kind of fun. Um, again, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I hope that you'll follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. If you're wondering where Jason Longshore is, he's my usual partner on this podcast. Uh, we, I'm taping this on Monday, the day after Atlanta United defeated Orlando City one to nothing. Jason is not here, sitting in my uh, dining room with me. Uh, we both needed to run after we got uh, our traditional work done yesterday after the the game, and so I'm taping this today. So the other thing I guess that I wanted to talk about today is I put out a tweet yesterday after uh, the English Premier League season was done. Man City, of course, uh, defeated Brighton and Nova Albion uh, 4-1, to one, I think it was. Liverpool defeated Wolves 2 to nothing, but by virtue of Man City's win, it took the Premier League by one point with 98 points. Just a fantastic campaign for both clubs. Uh, terrific achievements for both clubs. Man City can still win one more trophy. Uh, Liverpool can, of course, win the Champions League if it can defeat Tottenham on June 1st in Madrid, and that is not a given. But I put out a tweet yesterday because I've been thinking about this for a long, long time. I'm the type of person and, and have the type of personality that the more someone tells me how great something is, the more I'm going to kind of turn it over in my head and analyze it and poke holes in it and and just kind of uh, argue against it. It's not that I don't believe that something is great. It's that I really have a hard time with absolutes. So when someone tells me that so-and-so is the best player of all time or the best team of all time, or in the case of this one particular tweet regarding Pep Guardiola, the best manager of all time, I simply have to push back. Today's society is all about absolutes. Everything has to be argued and said it's the greatest or the worst. And it's just, it's, it's just, it's numbing. There can be levels of greatness. It's okay to be among the greatest, which is what I think Guardiola is, among the greatest. So anyway, I put out this tweet yesterday that said, basically, uh, I would love to see Guardiola take a team that doesn't have unlimited resources and see if he can reach the Champions League. I threw out Crystal Palace as an example, a team that does produce a ton of good talent, young talent, but doesn't have the financial backing of a Manchester City or a Bayern Munich or a Barcelona, which were Guardiola's three previous teams, three of the richest clubs in the world, three clubs that if they want a player, they can figure out a way to get him. Bayern Munich may be the exception because they have a little more fiscal responsibility than does Manchester City or Barcelona, but I think you can understand my point. And my reasoning is, if Guardiola is such a fantastic man-manager, 
is such a fantastic tactician, then he should be able to take a club that has some talent but can't buy any player that Guardiola wants and achieve something of note with it. So that's why I threw out Crystal Palace and the Champions League. Not winning the Champions League, just reaching the Champions League, for example, I think would be a greater achievement than, frankly, taking Manchester City, who can buy any player in the world, to the Premier League title. Um, so that was my reasoning on it. I'm always the guy that argues against all that stuff. You want to tell me Michael Bradley is the greatest defensive midfielder in U.S. history, and I'm going to argue against it. You want to tell me Jerry Rice is the greatest wide receiver in NFL history, I'll argue against it. Uh, only because I don't believe in the absolutes. I do believe they are among the greatest players at one time. I don't believe Bradley's even remotely close, for example. And I, you know, Jerry Rice got the benefit of beating up on Tampa Bay, Atlanta, and New Orleans, who are among the worst franchises in NFL history for long stretches during that time. Uh, but anyway, that's just kind of my, my reasoning. My goofy reasoning, I said on Twitter that I was going to get killed for that take. You can kill me if you want to. It's fine. I'm a grown man. It's not going to change my mind. I do think Guardiola is among the greatest managers, but is not the greatest manager. So anyway, that's my reasoning. Uh, again, I'm going to post this podcast. I'm going to look through my notes and see what else I can write about Atlanta United today. I did not go to training today simply because we were going to talk to the same players that we just spoke with yesterday, including Deborah, whom we just spoke with yesterday. So I was not there today. But anyway, I hope all of you had wonderful Mother's Days. I hope you got your wives, uh, your girlfriends, your moms, your grandmothers, any strong female presence in your life or in the lives of your kids and at least called them or texted them to tell them how much they mean to you, how much you love them, and just ask what you can do for them on that day to make their lives a little bit easier. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of Southern Fried Soccer. Again, Atlanta United defeated Orlando City 1-0. You can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and I hope you'll consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.